Welcome to the 23 Minutes in Hell podcast. Author and speaker Bill Weiss and his wife Annette address the many questions we all have about hell and eternity. Bill and Annette believe the subject of hell shouldn't grip us with fear, but instead, it should inspire us to use our time on earth wisely. Thank you for joining my wife and I. Today we are talking about preparation for ministry. Today's podcast will provide insight and biblical instruction for anyone desiring to serve in ministry. Now, many Christians want to launch out into ministry before they've been prepared. There must be a strong foundation before God will trust us with a ministry. First of all, most Christians are called into what the Bible refers to as the helps ministry. This would be serving in various capacities within our local church. Any position of helping, whether serving the children, serving as an usher, administrative help, janitorial, media help, and the list goes on, are all vitally important for a healthy, effective church. That is so true, Bill. Every single part is so important. And some of the most important parts are those people who aren't even seen. Right. You know, I always take my hat off to those that, um, you know, are serving the children. Right. You know, it, that's a real sacrifice. They, mm-hmm. they miss the service. They can't even sit in the service, right? And, I mean, I and they do that faithfully all the time. And they're imparting into those precious little lives God's truth and word. I mean, what a reward for that. Right. I just and, and every part is equally important. There's no big shots with God. Exactly. You know? We all need, uh, you know, each other. And, you know, in addition, any type of pastoral, traveling, or teaching ministry must be initiated by the Lord and should be confirmed by other Christian leaders who influence our lives. And this preparation would include extensive knowledge of the Word of God, a heart that is compassionate and humble, and a lifestyle pleasing to the Lord, and someone proven, you know, years of being faithful in their church, as you mentioned, Bill. That's right. You know, and a person should also be in good standing with their church and have the blessing of the pastor. And part of being a faithful member would also include tithing. That's right. Some people fight that, but it's all part of the Bible. This is all foundational principles. And, you know, it's like in building a home or a commercial building, the most critical work goes into the foundation. This is why much time needs to be spent learning, serving, and developing our character. And another uh, example would be a person who just joins the military. They are not placed on the front lines right away. Much training must occur first. Now let's look at some of the scriptural requirements. First, the Bible instructs us to live a pure, holy, and obedient life. Are we complying with those instructions? Now, Isaiah 52, 11 says, Be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. In other words, God would never use dirty tools. You know, and 1 Peter 1, 15 says, Because as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. And that just means in all manner of your lifestyle, right? Right, because right, many other verses about being holy yes. in all areas. And also, you know, when a person serves at their church for quite some time, it shows that they are submitted to godly authority and demonstrates faithfulness. And being faithful, you know, means you do things the way the pastor instructs us to do them and not our own way. Now, that's a huge test for for most people, doing it how he is telling you to do it and not just that, no, I think I'm going to do it this way. Mm-hmm. right? That's, that's a huge test. 
And in addition, you regularly show up on time. You are reliable and capable. And after years of serving, if you have a leading in your heart to go in a certain direction of your gifting, pray and seek the Lord about it. God is well able to speak to your pastor, and he too will have an inside witness about your direction. And God will then begin to speak to your heart to lead you and to begin presenting opportunities to you. So true. You know, in addition, you know, you must have developed a daily prayer life and regular reading and studying of the Bible. And also prayer support from others is also very beneficial. You know, and it's interesting, the word faithful is mentioned 141 times in the Bible. So I think that's important. That's what God's teaching us, to be faithful, and then he'll promote us. 1 Timothy 1.12 says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. See that? He put him in the ministry because he was faithful. I think that's really important. You know, and here's some other verses about faithful, and there's so many. Hebrews 3.5 says, Moses uh, verily was faithful in all his house. 1 Peter 5.12, Silvanus, a faithful brother unto you. Colossians 4.9, Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother. Uh, 1 Corinthians 4.17, Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord. Uh, then Colossians 1.2 says, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ. So it goes to all the saints also. We're all to be faithful. And then one more, 1 Corinthians 7.25 says, I give my judgment as one that has obtained mercy of the Lord to be faithful. That's so. so that's so good. Those are great verses, you know, so we can see that being faithful is very foundational. That's right. You know, and then also all through the New Testament, like in Timothy and Titus, I'm just going to read 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 4. They give qualifications of what a leader is supposed to um, act like, you know, and how there's how they're to live. Exactly. And 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 4 says, This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, an overseer, that could be also a pastor, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children it's in submission with all reverence. Boy, there's a lot of qualifications there. Yes, you know? there is. And that, you know, it doesn't mean that later on after they've been in this position, if they're one of their children go off and backslide, that doesn't mean they're removed. But it is um, still, you know, we're to rule our house well, right? Right, right exactly. You know, one little comment about this, too. It says the husband of one wife. Some people take that and say, well, if you've ever been divorced, then you can never be a pastor. But it doesn't mean that. Now, it's better to not be divorced and only have one wife. But if you have been and God forgives you and so forth, uh, it's talking about don't have two wives at once. Exactly. Because some of them had that back in those days. They, it was a practice to have multiple wives. So being a husband of one wife, that's what it was talking about. So good. Yes, it's a good thing God doesn't hold all our past mistakes and sins over our heads, <laughs> right? right? Right. But man sometimes does that. So mm -hmm. we've got to, you know, be discerning to read the scriptures correctly. Right. And there's sometimes where, like, God even allows divorce if there was, you know, infidelity and so forth, and the one person had an affair. Yes. Well, that doesn't mean now that that 
say the man did not have the affair, then to say he could never be a pastor, that would be wrong. Yeah. And they would take that scripture and try to twist it to mean that. That's why I'm bringing that out. Yeah, good point. Okay, well, another thing is we are to study, you know, to show ourselves approved. Second Timothy 2.15 says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Well, that takes study to divide the word of truth. And that's what we should do if we're going to especially be in the ministry. That's so important. Otherwise, we can lead others astray teaching all kinds of strange doctrine, right? Right, right. You know, there's many tests we're going to go through in in, uh, life, especially preparing for ministry. And God's looking for humility and obedience. That's the tests. Yes, and I love what Deuteronomy 8.2 says. It says, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or not. So look at that. There's a lot in that verse. Mm-hmm. God's looking, like you said, for humility and to and obedience. Right. To humble thee and to prove thee uh, what's in thy heart and if you would keep his commandments. So that's clear. You know, and it's interesting also, uh, Job 7.18 says, You visit man every morning and try him every moment. In other words, we are in a continual test. That is something to consider, right? That is. Something else in that verse is good. God visits man every morning. So that's an inspiration to get up early, you know, and uh, to take time in prayer time with the Lord because he comes by and visits you in the morning. Yeah, and you've had that where God just gives you one word or, or one bit of instruction early in the morning, and it makes your whole day. It blesses you somehow, gives you an opportunity, and you would never have heard it had you not right. woken up early. Right. So Which, the word of the Lord came to me in the morning. There's a verse that says that. So sometimes God brings you one word can change uh, your life. That's so good. You know, and the tests are, are to reveal what's in our heart. And Proverbs 17, 3 says, God tries the hearts. And that's all through the scriptures. Also in uh, 1 Thessalonians 2, 4, Jeremiah 12, 3, Psalm 17, 3. And then in addition, 2 Corinthians 13, 5 tells us to examine ourselves, whether we be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Boy, so, so we've got to look at our heart as well. Right. Right. So that's exactly. We are to look at ourselves, examine ourselves in light of the word of God. Are we obeying it? Are we doing what the word instructs us to do? Yes. And another area of testing is in James 1, 12, that says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Boy, did you catch that? Enduring temptation is part of our testing. Will we resist the sin when no one is watching? Or will we cave to its desires? You know, Psalms 119.11, David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Well, that's how we resist and endure the temptation is by getting the word in our heart so that we won't sin. But you'll, you'll fall, you'll cave into the temptation if you don't have the word in your heart. And that can be so damaging in ministry, right? When, right. when somebody falls, especially someone publicly and and a lot of the sheep scatter, the, right. the followers in the, in the congregation get hurt and so forth. Right. But there's a deeper thing, too. You know, and we won't cover this here, but the fear of the Lord 
is really what keeps us from sinning. You know, Proverbs 16, 6 says, by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. When you get that healthy reverential fear of Almighty God, you will not want to play around with sin. You'll understand there's consequences for it. There's a law of sowing and reaping. There's a law of sin and death, and you'll grasp all that. But you have to learn the fear of the Lord. We have to be taught it, Psalms 34, 11. So that's a whole other topic, but... Again, that's really important for people, all of us, to get the fear of the Lord. That will keep you grounded and solid, and you won't fall away and fall into sin. That's so, so good, Bill. You know, Matthew 5, Jesus instructs us to keep our word, to always forgive, to walk in humility, show love to those who even hate you, and to pray for those who use you. These are some of the things as Christians we're supposed to do. So these are all good foundational principles. Yes, and those are that verse right there, or that chapter, Matthew 5, that's packed with right. a lot of tests, right? Yes. And the forgiveness test is usually over and over and over through our lives. That's not a one-time test. Right. And Bill, you know, you know something about tests because you went through many character tests before God gave you this vision of hell and the ministry. Do you want to share a couple of those sure, with us? Sure, sure. You know, in, in the real estate business, you're tested a lot with uh, money in the area of money. And will you keep your word to your own hurt? And will you show forgiveness to people that are ugly to you and so forth? But I just share two tests. Um, you know, there was a time when um, I worked at this real estate company and there was a tract of homes, 33 homes that went into foreclosures. So the bank owned it and they wanted to sell it to one buyer, but they couldn't find one buyer. So myself and another agent at this office went to them and said, would you consider if we write up 33 individual offers? You know, we find our own buyers and then present it. Anyway, they finally said yes, they would. So I went out and I had gotten together 15 buyers, and he had gotten one so far at this point. Well, we had agreed that we would each get paid whatever our commission is on the ones we write up. So I get paid on what I sell, and he gets paid on what he sells. Well, when there was now 16 written up, he went to them on his own without me knowing, even though we were working together. And he, and he said, look, I've got 16 buyers. Would you, I want you to sign a listing now with me. Well, <laughs> that's wrong to go do that without me. And then number two, he comes to me and says, Bill, I've got the listing. So I'm taking half of your commission on all your sales. I get half because I have the listing now. I said, that's unethical. That's wrong. That's anyway, I could have sued him. But I just felt like the Lord said, you know, just forgive him. Do not get into strife over this. Strife is really damaging. Besides, all my buyers were excited about it, and I couldn't sue, and that would delay it, and they were excited about closing the escrows. So I had to sign a paper giving him $90,000. This is back in 1983. That's a lot of money. That's so a lot he now. went he went behind your back and he stole a lot of money from you. Right. And that was a lot of money, especially back then. And he said he was a Christian. Right. But I had to really watch my heart and I had to stay in forgiveness and at peace and say, Lord, I truly forgive him and I'm trusting you. I am not getting into strife over this. It's only money and you're well able to provide for me. And God did. God brought it all back to me. But uh, you know, that's a test. It I'm, still I'm, wasn't an easy test. No. No, but you know, that's an important one to, to stay in peace and no strife. Strife and, and is really money is such a big test for right, everybody. Right. One more story quickly. I worked at a company. Um, this is prior to this company. I worked at a company where I was on a 70, 30 split. I get 70% and the broker gets 30. Well, it was the last day of my uh, employment there because I had was going to another company that paid you 100%. You just paid a desk fee and you get 100%. 
Well, the last day of my employment at the 7030 office, I get a call from some people that were referred to me and they wanted me to list their home because their friend said, you know, you got to have Bill do it. He's, we really trust him. So I went over that night and I was going to list it. And I thought to myself, now I could list this tomorrow. I could come back tomorrow and sign it tomorrow. And I can take it the listing to my new company and get a hundred percent. Or I could sign it tonight. The people didn't care if I came back tomorrow or not. But I felt like, no, I'm going to go ahead and sign it tonight and I'll pay my broker the 30%. So you're just trying to look out for him. Right. And I would still be my listing and I work on it and I service it because they, they wanted me to. Even though you didn't have to do that. You just kind of went above and beyond right, trying to watch out for him. Yeah, I could have easily gone tomorrow. And so, but I, I went to him and I said, uh, you know, I signed this listing up tonight so, but I'm going to take it with me because I need to service it. That's why they gave it to me, but I'll still pay you your 30%. Well, he said, no, you know what? I'm taking 70%. I'm only going to give you 30. Well, that was illegal, unethical, uh, was wrong, but I had to, again, stay calm and just forgive him and, you know, and do you, the work. And you wanted to stay out of strife again. Right. So I gave him the 70%, which was quite a bit of money. Yes, absolutely. You know, again, uh, again, another money test. But, you know, what do we value? Staying in peace and avoiding strife, you know? Exactly. And it shows, you know, people's heart, you know, what they, their God that they really serve, mammon. Right. Right? And so money. I saw so much of this where people, when it comes to money, even the Christians will, you know, fail yeah. the test. Yeah, so sad, but. But so true. And those are all things that prepare us for ministry, that right. God can trust you, right? Exactly. And, you know, we need to mature also where we're not to be offended. You know, the scripture instructs us over and over, like Psalms 119, 165 states, I love this verse. It says, great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Boy, nothing. That's and great. That is amazing. And then Jesus talks um, in Luke seven twenty three. he said, uh, and blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And then again, the parable with the four uh, different types of ground and the seed put in the ground in Mark 4, Jesus said, when affliction and persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Mm. Boy, so offense. Offense, a good one, a very important one to stay away from. You know, and Bill, you know, here are some practical, you know, advice and wisdom from one of the greatest soul winners to ever live. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Yes. Charles Spurgeon, uh, he said in his book, The Soul Winner, and this is page 87 through 92, and I've paraphrased it and condensed it a bit, but he said basically this, as a preacher, we must preach interestingly with knowledge, with fire and conviction, with humor so that you can insert the knife of correction. We must speak with good grammar, dress well, learn when to pause, when to raise our voice, when to speak fast, when to speak slower, and pay attention to our tone of voice, and most importantly, our attitude. People will sense if we are sincere, if we really care for their welfare, if we are convinced ourselves of what we are preaching, and if we have a reputation of practicing what we preach. He also said this, and I quote, I sometimes tickle my oyster until he opens his shell, and then I slip in the knife. He would not have opened for my knife, but he did for something else. That is the way to do it with people. They must be made to open their eyes, ears, and souls somehow. When you get them open, you must 
feel now is my opportunity in with a knife. There is one vulnerable spot in the hides of these rhinoceros sinners that come to hear you. Take care that if you do get a shot through that weak spot, it is a thorough gospel bullet for nothing else will accomplish the work that needs to be done. That's in page 88. Just the way he says things. Yes, well said. But in other words, be prepared, use humor, and then watch for that moment to slip in the knife to get the word of God into their hearts to correct them. You know, people don't like to be instructed or corrected, but if you can do it in a way that's loving and that they say, hey, they really care for me and they're trying to get truth to me, and you're not condescending, you're just trying to get the truth into their hearts, humor sometimes helps that. So that's what he's saying. And that's so, not easy with the message of hell. You can't u- exactly <laughs> use humor, right? No, it's not easy. Now, using humor will place the congregation at ease, and they can also better relate to the person's personality. You know, it loosens them up, and they see, hey, you're real, and you're genuine, and so forth. So, you know, I have found that uh, if, for instance, you are going to be a soul winner, you must develop a tough hide. That's a good point, you know, and Charles Spurgeon again said, quote, you must go into the fire if you are going to pull others out of it. You cannot work a fire escape without feeling the scorch of the blaze. I love that quote. Right. In other words, you got to be a little tough. If you're going to go and try to pull people out of hell, you're going to have some toughness. You're not going to be able to be so easily offended or rejected, you know, take the heat. Yeah, that's so good. You know, so you must not be offended or intimidated, and you must be bold, uncompromised on God's word, but not be condescending, as you said, Bill, in any way. Right. And humility is what gives us access to their heart. Right. Now, some other things. You must have some biblical knowledge for answers to their questions. It is beneficial if you think like a courtroom attorney and be equipped to knock down their objections. However, it is not only about knowledge, but more importantly, having a heartfelt conviction in your preaching that you can touch their emotions. You, you have to touch their hearts, and that takes God's grace and anointing. You know, a solid foundation in God's word, submission to authority, a humble and obedient heart, and a passion for the Lord and for helping others are some of the things it takes before God leads a person into full-time ministry. So I hope this has helped give you some uh, concept and ideas of what it takes. If you're going to launch out in the ministry, we really need to have this kind of foundation so we don't fall. Because we want to be a good example for the body of Christ, for the Lord. I mean, And, and so, for the lost. Right, right. And so if you rise to, uh, to uh, being a pastor and you fall... That, that reflects not well on, on the Christian. Yeah, just on Christianity on in Christianity general. Christianity in general. So true. So we need to be strong, stay committed, and stay focused in the Word of God. And be patient and, and examine ourselves. And what is our motive for wanting to be launched out? Are we just wanting to be seen? Is it pride? Right. I mean, those are things we have to examine ourselves about, right? Exactly. Usually God uses the one that doesn't want the microphone. Exactly. If it's going to be a public ministry. But most ministries are not a microphone position. No, it's not like a pulpit uh, position. It's it's helps, you know, right. helping. We all need to help. And again, all helps. It, we're, we all need each other. We're all equally important. There are no big shots with God. Amen? Amen. All right. God bless you all. We'll talk to you soon. 
If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to leave us a rating or comment. We value your feedback. Stay in touch and learn more about this ministry by visiting us at soulchoiceministries.org.